Happy Tuesday, everyone. Hopefully you're having a great week so far. Uh, Mental Dimes Bump and Run coverage podcast, episode 16, uh, with you to discuss uh, all the things that went on during week five and look ahead to week six. Uh, as always, your host here, uh, myself, uh, at NG Triplet, and uh, with me as always, hitting off tees and draining threes is uh, TMAC at TM underscore Swish. Uh, hopefully you've had a great week. There's a lot of good college football to talk about, and we're going to get to all that. But before we do, we've got to get to uh, some of our housekeeping. So if you have not checked out the mentaldimes.com main site, please do that. You can go there for articles on all the major sports. If you are wanting to uh, make some bets, some parlays. Of White wants to keep your chores. They've got some information there that will help you turn your dimes to dollars. So please check us out at mentaldimes.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, specifically for college football, we have at Mental Dimes CFB. Uh, we will interact with you there. Please hit us up with anything you've got. I am at NG Triplet on Twitter, and he is at TM underscore Swish. We will interact back with you. If you have questions, comments, anything you like to do, um, questions asked, anything like that. Uh, and the main Twitter page for Mental Dimes is at Mental Dimes. So please check out the site. Uh, interact with us the mentaldimes.com has a store where you can purchase uh, all kinds of uh, mental dimes gear we've got uh, pint glasses we've got hoodies all kind of stuff so check all of that out um, but here we go another week uh, tmac um, we've got some news to start off with in the college football world before we get to breaking down last week's games and talking about next week's game a couple of uh, coaching changes so colorado fires head coach carl durrell Okay, he was 0-5 this season and 8-15 and overall in three years at Colorado. Before that, he had five years at UCLA where he went 35-27. and And Colorado has also uh, relieved D.C. Chris Wilson uh, of his duties, so he's been fired as well. Colorado is now uh, has an $8.7 million buyout for Coach Carl Durrell. And the offensive coordinator, Mike Sanford, has been named interim coach. Um, so that's a pretty big buyout, 8.7. But we go one more school. Wisconsin has fired head coach Paul Christ. He's been at Wisconsin for eight years, has a 67 and 26 mark, started this year two and three. And uh, the DC uh, Jim uh, Leonhard is the interim coach. Wisconsin will pay Chris $11 million in buyout. So again, we've it seems like we're talking about. Uh, institutions firing their head coaches every week. And I think you and I have both expressed our opinions on that. Uh, the Wisconsin one uh, was a little more surprising to me as they, they're two and three. Uh, Colorado 0 and 5 and, and only 8 and 15 overall in three years uh, makes a little more sense. Um, but I'll throw it back to you as, as I kind of know what I think your thoughts are. But uh, what do you think about these uh, firings uh, five games into the season? Well, I, I, I think the Colorado firing is not much of a surprise, you know, 0-4 to start the season. I actually saw something the other day that I believe both Colorado teams, Colorado and Colorado State, are the only two FBS teams left to not have a win, you know. So both both winless teams coming from the state of Colorado, and, you know, that's something, you know, in the University of Colorado right there, to you know, to – program that prides itself on, on, on football. And I know they're a good basketball school as well, but they pride themselves on football and a uh, rough start to the season for them. So I understand, I understand that one a little bit. 
but I'll tell you the one that really shocked me was was uh, Paul Christ there 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 at Wisconsin. You know, he's been there for a long time. Uh, you know, other than, than a just a short little stint he had at Pittsburgh, he's really been at at, at the University of Wisconsin since 2005. Uh, you know, not not the head coach the whole time, but he's but he's been there. He's a Madison native. And I really hate it for him because I think he's a good football coach and st- tough, tough start to the season for them. I know they've uh, they, they've had a rough start and, and it, it's a shame to see him go. I don't really like the firing. It's the first time since 1989 that a coach from the University of Wisconsin has been fired. So it's something that they're not used to having to do. And I don't like the Wisconsin firing. Totally understand the, the Colorado firing. Okay. Well, all right. Uh, I'm kind of with you there. It's, it's part of the business and it's really not up to us to like or not like it. It, it just happens. And, and yeah. here we go. So let's talk a little bit about before we get into the games, let's talk about the new college football rankings, particularly the top. Uh, we'll go five here. Uh, so the top four that would be in the playoffs and then potentially uh, one outsider looking in the AP top 25 uh, and the coaches poll that the top five are identical. Um, so at number five, both of them have Clemson sitting on the, as of now, on the outside looking in, followed by Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia, and then Alabama. So Alabama has, has claimed the top spot in both of those polls. Um, what do you like? You, you, do you like this top five that both the AP and the coaches poll have put out? No, I really do. I think it was, uh, I, I think the top five is, is, is pretty accurate. Um, I thought I thought Georgia deserved to fall in the rankings right there. I, I think you know Michigan and Ohio State have remained steady throughout the whole year. I think they've they deserved to stay in the right there at that three four spot. They haven't done anything to really fall or uh, jump up. And you know I think Alabama. You know I want to talk about them a little bit. I think Alabama deserved to jump up to that number one ranking. I thought you know we can we can talk about the game a little bit. I thought. That Bryce Young going down, and then, and and then you get you know Milrow coming in the game was was extremely impressive. You know he's a dual threat quarterback. Arkansas tried to tried to rally. It was a it was a really good game there in Fayetteville. You know I know Bama was twenty eight to nothing at one point, and I think Bama proved proved in that game that they're they're the best team. They I think Jaden Milrow Jalen Milrow played really well. He's a dual threat quarterback. He you know he. he he, he can really hurt you with his legs, and and he played a really good game in a hostile environment on the road. And I think I think Bama proved to the to the nation that they deserve to be in that number one spot. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Milrow. You know, so Bryce Young before he went out uh, with that unfortunate injury, he was seven of 13, 173 yards, one TD and one interception. Um, Jalen Milrow came in. He went four for nine passing, 65 yards with one touchdown and no interceptions. And as you alluded to, he could hurt you with his legs. He ran the ball six times for 91 yards um, with a, a long of 77 yards and one touchdown. So certainly he is um, a dynamic, as you said, dual threat quarterback. And certainly Arkansas uh, had a prepared all week for Bryce Young. Um, and then, you know, Jalen Milrow comes in and uh, certainly is, is highly effective. The news that um, I don't know if you saw the press conference that Nick Saban gave when he was questioned about Bryce Young. Um, the official word is, is that Bryce Young is listed as day-to-day, but as you can imagine, Saban was not too excited to ask questions about that. 
um, you know, statements like, why would I tell you and, and being facetious, I'll call Jimbo and we'll talk about it after that kind of thing. So he was back to his um, normal uh, prickly self when dealing with the media. Um, but um, they, they beat a very good uh, Arkansas team uh, that was, uh, um, you know, had only lost once and, and kind of a game they should have won against A&M and beat them pretty soundly. So I'm with you. I think that the, the top five is, is as it should be. Uh, and again, as you pointed out last week, that these rankings don't really mean anything. Uh, in the early November is when the college football playoff rankings will come out. And that's when we really have, uh, if, if you disagree with something, maybe uh, something to, to get mad about. But right now, these are just um, some of the rankings. And, and really, the only change uh, in that top five is just Alabama and Georgia flipping spots. So um, that was uh, certainly, uh, I, I, I thought, um, really good for Alabama that they're not that the quarterback got hurt, but they showed that they could um, continue and go on uh, even when uh, Bryce Young is not in there. And I think, Trip, I think I think this upcoming matchup for Bama, you know, having it at home, um, and and I think I think AM is a solid football team, but I, I think if you're Bama, you you play it safe here. I, I don't think you want to rush Bryce Young back and 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 don't get me wrong, I'd I'd love to see I'd love I'd love to see Jimbo and AM have success, but I, you know, if you're Bama, I don't see any reason to rush Bryce Young back. I think, I think even with Jalen Milrow, you're going to be just fine. I mean, you look at, you look at how Jameer Gibbs and and Jalen Milrow were able to run the football. You know, that's their one-two punch right there. You know, Milrow can beat with his legs. Um, you know, they'll they'll let him throw it a little bit more if he plays the whole game. You know, I expect him to throw it more than seven times if he starts and plays the whole game against against Adam. But heck. When you've got him running, you've got Jameer Gibbs right there. I mean, Gibbs just torched Arkansas for those, you know, gosh, I think he had a 78-yard run, a 76-yard run, um, you know, right there in the fourth quarter. That was really just a dagger against Arkansas. If you can run the ball like that, I don't see any any reason to rush back uh, Bryce Young because I think I think you can beat A&M at home. You know, the game's in Tuscaloosa. I think you can beat him easily with, with Jalen Milrow as your quarterback. I agree, and they really need to keep the the end in mind. Certainly, you don't want to um, do anything where you could risk losing this game, but I think they are are uh, far more talented, even with uh, out Bryce Young. And I think that they've got to keep the end in mind of of that going winning the championship. So don't rush him back, uh, because one, you don't want to get him hurt where he's out the rest of the season. But you have a very capable backup. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Georgia. They they had a different uh, situation this this past Saturday. They they uh, went in and uh, they were playing against uh, Missouri, and I think most people kind of at least myself thought that this would be a blowout win in favor of Georgia. You know, I had made the comments uh, in weeks prior that I thought Georgia, you know, had lost those 15 players to the NFL draft was actually better this year, and then this game came. Uh, so Georgia does prevail, so they are still undefeated, 26 to 22 uh, against two and three Missouri. Um, so a little bit uh, um, inexplicable that they would have such a letdown against a team that that really is struggling. Um, you know, Stetton Bennett, uh, his numbers weren't were, were pretty good, 24, 43, 312 yards, but zero touchdowns. Um, well, you know, you know, Tripp, and, and and you talk about Bennett right there. I mean. Yeah, the re- Bennett right there, 
the reason he put up such good numbers, and I'm sorry to cut you off right there, but, but no, you know, no. Bennett putting up such good numbers, I mean, they were trailing the whole game. I mean, he, they were having to throw it. They had to – they were down, I believe, 14 going into the fourth quarter. Um, but, gosh, what are your thoughts? I mean, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Is Georgia these last couple of weeks, I mean, struggled a little bit with – I don't want to say struggled, but didn't really blow out Kent State last week, which, I mean, Kent State right. – yeah, I think, you know, maybe, um, uh, you know, they had the blowout win week one. And I think, uh, uh, you know, that had everybody pretty excited. They, they beat a ranked team, but I think they've, they've come down back down to earth a little bit and uh, are showing that, that you can play with them. Now, are they beatable? Well, no one's done it yet, but I would say based on these last couple of weeks, you know, they're not exactly playing uh, top tier teams. They're not playing top 10 teams. Uh, so I would say, yes, um, they're beatable until somebody does it. Uh, they deserve to be still in the conversation. But I think if you're a, a Georgia fan, you've got you've to be concerned uh, about what you've seen these last couple of weeks. And um, I, I think that uh, you know, they've, they've got to get something going to, to um, you, you know, make, make a statement because once you know, they're fixing to go into the, to the heart of their season and they can't really afford to be – uh, having these close games um, because eventually uh, you play a, a team that's good enough and, and, and you'll end up losing that. So I think there is reason to be concerned. Um, they've got Auburn um, coming up on the eighth uh, this week. So uh, that certainly, um, you know, could be a tricky game, but it doesn't really get any easier down the road. They've got Florida, they've got uh, Tennessee, Mississippi state. I mean, so, They've got to get this this thing right. It's not time to panic because they're still undefeated, but they've got to figure some things out if, if they want to be uh, make a case to be in that top four playing for a championship at the end of the year. Uh, no, absolutely. I mean, I mean, with all due respect, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to throw any shade at Missouri, but Missouri's not very good. I mean, they're they're around college football considered one of the, one of the worst FBS teams out there, and I know I know they're in the SEC and everything, but Gosh, I mean, just, I mean, I mean, Georgia's season probably, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not the college football committee. I don't know how they think, but if you lose that game to Missouri, I got, I got to think you're almost, you're, that, that one loss might, it might have been too much to make up. I don't know. Maybe they could have backdoored their way in with some good wins, but that, or that Missouri loss right there would have put a really big dent in their season. And they've got some things to figure out right there. I, I agree. I think, I think Stetson Bennett's got to play better. I think the, the offense has got to get rolling. I mean, I mean, you can't – I mean, only 22 points – or, excuse me, 26 points and having to do 14 of it there in the fourth quarter to come back and win. I mean, I, I was mistaken. They were actually only down 10. Was, I was looking at the box score. They were down 22 to 12 and had to reel off 14 points there in the, in the fourth quarter. And it was late in the fourth quarter that they scored that last touchdown. So they were they were sitting on a they – were, they were close right there. And – They've got some things to figure out for sure. So let's look at the other teams here. Uh, Ohio State, uh, no surprise, they they rolled over uh, or rolled up on Rutgers 39-10, and we'll come back to that in a second. I think you know what I want to talk about there. Michigan handles Iowa pretty handily, 27-14, and uh, you know I think a really good win for Clemson because uh, as I made the comment in the last couple of weeks, I wasn't really sold on them. And I'm still not 100% sold, but they beat a really good uh, NC State team uh, by 10 points. So uh, I'm starting to warm up to them that, that maybe 
you know, maybe unlike Georgia, they may be getting a little bit better as the season goes on, figuring some things out. So, but I want to talk a little bit about this Ohio State game. Um, they were up 39 points, I believe, uh, and it's fourth down, and they're going to punt. And Rutgers lines up to try to block the punt. So um, uh, Ohio State runs a fake punt. Um, then he, the punter runs out of bounds, and they hit him really, really late out of bounds. So a couple of things here in the aftermath. Obviously, Coach um, Ciano of Rutgers and confronts Ryan Day, and, and you know it's it's a big melee there. But prior to that, you know, or what we found out that that maybe we didn't know was that it was not a called fake punt. The the punter, you know, recognized the block was coming and that he had a sideline open, so he, he himself to do that. Um, again, I, I think they're taught that. Now, maybe in this situation, he could have handled it differently. Um, but we are talking about a 19, 20, 21, 22 year old kid, um, potentially, although he is, uh, I believe, from Australia, he may be a little older. Um, so I think that could have been handled differently. Um, but the, the late hit out of bounds, I understand the frustration. You're already losing. You feel that it's disrespectful, but that's a play that could end the kid's career. And certainly there's no cause for that. I think both, um, you know, th there's fault on both sides there. Um, I will say what I found interesting was Ohio State yesterday named uh, their punter, um, Jesse Mirko, I believe, as the special teams player of the game. So I think that was a little jab maybe uh, at Rutgers, but I, I'm sure you saw that whole melee. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, you know, I, maybe, you know, you're, you, I'm a, I'm a younger guy. You're, you, you know, you're a coach. You've been doing it for a while. You probably might have a little bit of different mindset than me, but, you know, I think I, I like what you said. I think both teams are kind of in the wrong there. You know, I think if you're, if you're the punter there for Ohio state, you know, you got to kind of, kind of read the room a little bit, you know, realize, hey, you know, 39 points, we're punting for a reason. If we if we wanted to be going for it, we would. But at the same time, you know, he's an Australian for one. So, it, you know, he, he, you know, a lot of these kids come over here. I think, you know, a lot of these Australians are coming over here kicking. They might not completely still understand the game 100%. You know, obviously they, you know, that they're taught to go out there and punt. And, you know, they know the game to a certain extent, but they might not realize that, hey, you run don't run the score up on them you know you're at 39 and at the same time you know i don't really fault fault the Rutgers kid for for getting a little frustrated going out there and laying them out a little bit I, I think it's maybe a little unnecessary that he did it after the player is out of bounds but you know i'm all if you're gonna if you're gonna run a fake punt on me you know i think it's fair game to go after the kid but you know i i you know i definitely think he deserved to get flagged doing it doing it late and out of bounds but um i love i love both coaches sticking up for their team too i love you know i you know, Greg Schiano and, and, and Ryan Day kind of got after it a little bit. They were in each other's face. And if you're if you're Ohio State, if you're on that team, if you're on the Rutgers team, you love how your coach is going to bat for you right there. And uh, it was just a it's just an awkward situation right there. You don't see it too often. You don't see too many punters probably being given the option to, to you know, run for first downs, especially right. especially college kids. You know, I remember, gosh, do you remember, I, you remember – Four or five years ago, I think a Clemson punter did that, and Dabo just let him have it. So I guess it depends on the program, depends on the special teams coach, whether or not they're giving their players the option to kind of, you know, if it's open, go forward. If it's not, you know, just boot it away. But they're kids. I mean, I mean, I I, I don't want to be too harsh on them. I mean, like you said, they're they're young. They're 
<laughs> not going to make the smartest of decisions. You're going to have a punter run it up on the run the score up a little bit, maybe inadvertently. And you, you know, if you're the Rutgers kid, I don't think you can be too hard on me either by the, you know being a little frustrated. So, okay. So let's. Uh, I'm just going to uh, fire off some some upsets that happened. And then we can talk about any of these that you specifically want to talk about. But there was there was quite a few uh, upsets, and by upsets, I'm not talking necessarily the line. I'm just looking at the, the ranking. Um, so um, the first one is uh, Ole Miss, number 14, Ole Miss at home upsets number seven, Kentucky, 22-19. Um, so there's one. Then we have um, where is it? Mississippi State. Uh, unranked Mississippi State upsets Texas A&M 42 to 24. Yep. Then TCU uh, upsets number 18 Oklahoma 55-24. Purdue upsets number tw- unranked Purdue upsets number 21 Minnesota 20 to 10. Um, and then Georgia Tech, you know, they they just fired their coach not long ago and they upset number 24 Pittsburgh 26-21. Um, and so those are, are some of the upsets in the top 25. A lot of upsets have already happened. So a couple of questions for you. First, um, which of those are you um, most surprised by? And then two, is this a case of it's early in the season and you know, teams are figuring some things out? Or is this a case of, um, look, the, the people that are doing these rankings uh, got it wrong uh, and they got it wrong quite a bit? I no, I I think we're getting to that point of the season where where some of these teams are starting to figure out some of these teams and and look we you know we're a few games in now about four or five weeks in now that we're starting to realize you know maybe some of these teams aren't as good as we thought too and I think I think the, to answer your question I think it's the TCU and Oklahoma uh, game right there I really thought I really thought Oklahoma uh, was a pretty solid team. Um, Oklahoma has really proven it, and it's really shocking having Brent Venables in there. Uh, I don't think Oklahoma is very good defensively. You know, it, it hurt it hurt losing your quarterback Dylan Gabriel to an injury in that game. But I don't think Oklahoma is very good defensively. I mean, Kansas State the week before, Deuce Vaughn and them, uh, you know, Martinez, Adrian Martinez went in there and just ran the ball down their throat in Norman, and then TCU just just shredded them from the air and the ground. I mean. Just all, uh, you know, Oklahoma's not very good defensively. That's really the one right there that that really surprised me. But I think we're getting to that four, five game, six game stretch that some of these teams that, you know, maybe dropped a game or two were still in the rankings are now going to start falling out of the rankings like in Oklahoma because they're quite frankly just not as good a football team as we thought they were. And, you know, for them, the problem is, you know, this was a bad loss, but they're coming off of a bad loss the week before. So it, it certainly, I think, magnifies that. Uh, I'm going to go with um, Texas A&M, Mississippi State. Um, you know, I, I uh, sort of uh, not really sure what to think of A&M after the, you know, the kind of the up and down in this early season. Um, you know, they, they beat a good Arkansas team. Um, but, uh, man, they, they, they really um, just got, got taken to the woodshed and they were not competitive and they made another change in quarterback. Um, and this is, you know, a, a, a case where um, Paul Feinbaum, you know, the SEC um, guy, he made a comment that if it were not for Jameis Winston, Jimbo Fisher probably wouldn't have a job right now. So now all of a sudden, you know, you're starting to hear 
questions and, and comments and concerns about Jimbo's ability to coach. I think it's it's too, way too early for that, but uh, I think you know they were the start of the season ranked in the top seven, I think, um, and now they're uh, sitting at uh, three and two, um, and uh, not looking like there's any, any offensive uh, cohesion. Um, you know, the, uh, stable of quarterbacks, and and we don't know who's who's QB number one. I think this program is is kind of a mess right now, and. Um, I'm a little surprised by it just because I thought that they were going to be so much better. No, I, I agree a hundred percent. I think, you know, and, and maybe, you know, we talked about this earlier in the season, you know, I think A&M might've been one of those teams that maybe I know Arkansas, we threw them in the mix too. Maybe they're one of those teams that we unfairly overhyped a little bit, um, you know, coming off, you know, I know Arkansas had a really good year last year. I think Arkansas is still a solid team, but you know, A&M's, AM's, you know, always, you know, these last few years has, has had really good recruiting classes. And I wanted to talk about this a little bit in, in um, overreaction uh, Sunday, which on a Tuesday. Um, well, you know, we can go ahead and talk about it now. Is, is are, are we getting to the point now, Coach Tripp, where, where AM and Jimbo do need to start getting a little kind of looked at with, with the amount of talent that they're bringing? Because, you know, AM's at the top of the, the leaderboard every year when it comes to these recruiting classes. And, Gosh, I mean, I think Jimbo's a good coach. I really do. Um, but when do we start asking that question that Paul Feinbaum's asking? When do we start saying that, hey, you know, is 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 Jimbo the guy there? You know, because you know we thought Kevin Sumlin there at AM was a heck of a coach, and 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 Kevin Sumlin, you know, after a few bad seasons, I mean, AM was quick to get rid of him. So and they have right now the exact uh, the. Uh, Jimbo has the exact same record that someone had when when he was let go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, pretty interesting there. Yeah, I think it's I think it's fair. I think it, these questions need to be asked uh, about that amount of money they're paying him, and because of the recruiting class, some of these NIL deals. I'm sure uh, a lot of money being spread around there, and and it's certainly not lived up to the um, expectations by any means. And and Jimbo's Jimbo's a big name. Jimbo's going to bring in the recruits. You know they're going to have the big, the big high NL, NIL deals and everything. And and you know AM's AM's. But but you know if if you're going to continue to be, I don't want to say average, but if you're going to be not to to your standards, what they're paying you, I I think Jimbo I think Jimbo deserves the scrutiny a little bit. I think he deserves to to be looked at in a microscope right now because, like you said. You know, if if he doesn't have that national championship there with Jameis Winston at, at, at Florida State, you know, Jimbo Jimbo might might be out of the job right now. Right. So. All right. So I want to go the other way here and talk about some uh, a surprise team. Now, look, I'm not even I'm not even going to mention Kansas right here because after five weeks, um, I, I don't think they're a surprise. I think they're the real deal. And and so and we'll get to them in a minute with the, the big huge game they have coming up. But I want to talk about another undefeated team, uh, the Syracuse Orange. Um, that is, uh, that's the story that I think is, is way off the radar, that they're finally ranked. Um, and, look, their, their, their wins are not, nece- uh, not necessarily going to impress anybody as far as uh, these ranked teams. But they did beat Louisville. They beat UConn, which is probably, uh, you know, UConn I think has two wins on the season. But they beat Purdue. 
uh, and the beat for, uh, University of Virginia. And then this week, uh, Wagner was was uh, Lafleur. But and, and we're going to know more about them this week because they have North Carolina State. Then they follow that up with Clemson, then Notre Dame, then Pitt. So we'll know a lot more about them. But um, man, you know, with with everything going on with with Kansas and and earlier, you know, when Duke was undefeated and all this, Syracuse has stayed under the radar and, and just gone and, and began winning game after game after game. Uh, what are your thoughts on on Syracuse and uh, does the does uh, the clock strike midnight for the Cinderella here as they get ready to go uh, play North Carolina State? Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely a little bit of a surprise there and. Look, they've they've taken care of business, like you said. They haven't played the most difficult schedule, but they've they've won some of these games in convincing convincing fashion, right there. And look, that Louisville win is is a little night looking looking pretty good. As Louisville's kind of turned out to be somewhat decent, and you know they beat Virginia. I actually watched that for some reason. I, don't, I guess I had a boring Friday night. I watched the Virginia game a few weeks ago on a Friday night. So, and you look at Purdue. I mean, I don't care how good you are if you're able to beat Louisville, Purdue, and Virginia. Uh, look, I know those aren't necessarily the most top tier teams there in the ACC, but uh, you know, and and the Big Ten. Uh, I mean, I mean, if you can win some of those games and, and be undefeated, you deserve to be ranked. And good for the good for the Orange there up there in Syracuse. And and look, I mean, <laughs> it, it, I know that's it, over the years. It's been a tough little place to go play there in that dome um that they've got I, I i can't remember what's called carrier is it the carrier carrier dome is that where they play um you got me i don't know if it's still it's called that dome. i mean that's a, that's a tough, tough little place to go play there up there in new york and and gosh i mean if they keep winning i mean shoot maybe they're they'll be the next kansas they'll be flying under the radar and, i mean if they're gonna All right, I've got to quit pulling up these other things because they keep bringing in noise. I was, I was trying to find this the stadium. It is the Carrier Dome. Yeah, if they keep, if they, I mean, if Syracuse keeps winning, I mean, they're in a well-respected conference. I mean, they're going to get some love. So we'll we'll see. They've got their first big test this week. You said so. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk a little bit here about um, before we get to to some of those segments that you have. I'm going to give you a couple of games here for this upcoming week. And I'm going to give you two games that I think are have the potential to be really good. And then there's two that I really want to talk about that going into the season, I think we all expected would be um, huge. And uh, I want to see, do you have any interest in these games at all? So the first games I think that have the potential to be really, really good is number 17 TCU at, Can uh, at Kansas. Okay, so this is, man, uh, Kansas, you know, they're, they're ranked. And uh, they've got an opportunity here to really um, shut the doubters up. You know, TCU has been playing some fantastic ball. If, if uh, Kansas can win that, uh, I think game day is going to be there. But if, if Kansas can win that, they, they definitely um, will put themselves uh, front and center on the national stage even more than they are. But this would be, a, I think, a signature win of this early season. And then the next one is number 11, Utah at undefeated uh, UCLA sitting at 18. Um, what are your thoughts on those games? And if, if, if you don't mind, give me your pick on each of those. I'm, I'll tell you what coach trip, you know, I, I, you know, I've of course follow Texas tech and they're, they're kind of my, my big FBS school that I like to claim, but I'll tell you what, at the end of the day, I, I really enjoy seeing 
and enjoy seeing the Big 12 has have success. You know, if my team and I think any good any good program would is going to root for the conference. You know, the you know I think I think it's great seeing Kansas. You know, it's the first time they've been five and zero since 2009. Now, don't any Kansas fans out there don't don't go back and look at that season because after you started five and zero, you lost the next seven. So I, I don't think that's a a repeat of 09, but it's really cool seeing Kansas have a lot of success. I think Jalen Daniels has been fantastic. And, you know, that was a, that was a good win for him. I know it was kind of an ugly game, uh, you know, 14 to 11 this past week against Iowa state, but Iowa state's a good football team. I mean, I mean, they, you know, Matt Campbell's got a good program there, there, there at Iowa state. And that's a good win for Kansas. I think, I think that win against Iowa state really kind of solidified. Now, now do I think Kansas is going to go undefeated? No, I don't. I think they're going to eventually trip up, but I think that really solidified that hey, Kansas is kind of a good little football, good little football team they've got up there in, in Lawrence. You know, they they were able to beat Can or uh, Houston on the road, and I think that was a good win for them this past week in Iowa State, and very well deserved. Um, I think it's pretty cool that College Game Day is going to go to Lawrence. It's uh, you know, we see enough we see enough of uh, you know, College Game Day. I think they call it that for. Yeah. college basketball also we see him enough in lawrence for for uh for college basketball there at the fog at allen Fieldhouse in basketball season but it's pretty cool to get to see him to go up to go up to lawrence for football for a change so it's gonna be a fun one tcu's a good football team i think sonny dykes is a good football coach he's got things rolling in fort worth and that's gonna be a good good matchup right there i'm excited to see those two play um what, what are your thoughts before i jump over to that utah and ucla game man i'm really uh... I'm really excited for this game. Um, you know, these were not two teams uh, going into the season that I would have thought I'd be excited about uh, watching, but I think that, um, man, they've, they've both um, made, a, made a case that, man, this is must-watch TV. I mean, they're they're both playing really good football, both sides of the ball, and uh, the fact that these are uh, two teams that they really didn't expect this from. You know, TCU obviously has a – has a track record of, of being a solid team, um, but <laughs> the way they're playing right now is is really impressive. So I think uh, uh, this is a really uh, exciting game. Um, I have a dog in the hunt, so I'm going to be pulling for Kansas just because I want this story to continue. But um, other than that, I just hope it's a great game. I hope hope it lives up to to kind of what we're um, what we're hoping for. No, and I, I agree 100. It's 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 fun. It's fun getting a little bit of a change every once in a while. You know, we've seen, gosh, for so long, at least through my whole life. You know, you know, we've seen Texas, we've seen Oklahoma, we've seen all these programs really kind of dominate the conference. And it's nice to see some of these, some of these smaller dogs, you know, get up there. You get to see Oklahoma State. You get to see, I think Baylor the last for the last eight or nine years is after B Baylor was really the first big story there in the Big 12 after being bad for so long. Baylor. You know, the last eight or nine years has been there at the top of the Big 12 every year. And it's cool to see Kansas. It's cool to see TCU. It's cool to see Kansas State. It's cool to see a lot of these teams really kind of jump up there at the top of the Big 12. But I'll, I'll move on to your other one. I, I think Utah was – was I think Utah going into the season, I haven't necessarily talked about them as much. I think Utah was kind of my – your Kentucky to my Kansas – or, or your Kentucky to my Utah right there. You know, you've kind of really – you, you like that Kentucky squad, and I, I really kind of like this Utah squad. I really was big on Cameron rising and everything, and I thought that loss at the beginning of the year was 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 
kind of bad to Florida. I, I didn't think Utah should have lost that game. And Utah has really proved here these last few weeks. I think Utah has been really good. I think Cameron Ryzen has been really good for Utah. And Utah has really bounced back from that that early loss there at the beginning of the season. They, they're coming off a good, really good win against Oregon State. Oregon State's really proved to be pretty solid this season. And they, they really kind of beat down on them 42-16. to 16. And I'll tell you what, UCLA surprised me a little bit too. UCLA, I, did, I didn't think UCLA was very good. Um, you know, I, I thought after week three when they, they were losing most of, the, most of the game at home in Pasadena to South Alabama, and able to squeak that one out just by one. I didn't think UCLA was a very good football team, but UCLA has bounced back these last these last few weeks. They beat down on Colorado, and they beat beat up uh, a pretty good Washington team. They they really dominated that game um, mo- most of the game there there at the Rose Bowl. And I mean UCLA UCLA is a decent little program. I, mean, I think Dorian Thompson Robinson's been really good. Um, he's kind of that dual threat quarterback we talk about. He can really run it too. He's second in carries on that on that Bruin squad behind Zach Charbonnet. Who's, and Charbonnet's been there. You know, UCLA's a solid program. That's going to be a fun one. I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, I know that game's going to be at the Rose Bowl. They're going to have the, all the eyes on them. It's two ranked two ranked Pac-12 teams, and, man, that's going to be a fun one. Those are definitely the top two matchups this week, in my opinion. Okay, so let's go the other way. Now, going into this, well, first of all, this weekend, if, if you're from Texas, from Oklahoma – um, is, is kind of a big, big rivalry weekend, right? So, um, you know, the state fair kicks off up in Dallas and uh, at the Cotton Bowl this week, we have the Red River shootout. We have uh, Texas playing Oklahoma. Um, so both teams, uh, or neither team is ranked. Oklahoma sitting at three and two, Texas sitting at three and two. Um, Oklahoma's 0 and two in the Big 12. Texas is one and one in the Big 12. Um, so my question is, uh, and then, uh, I'm going to pair it with this. I'm going to talk about the other game and I'm going to make it one question. Then, um, we had the off season skirmish between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban about the NIL and about buying teams. And of course this coming off the season in which Jimbo Fisher beat Alabama on that last second field goal in college station. Um, so we know Jimbo's already had a chip on his shoulder for not winning the national championship. We talked about it being last year was a rebuilding year, um, even with what they did. So we thought these two were going to be on a collision course, two top five, two top seven teams meeting in Alabama to settle the score. Well, you've got Alabama sitting at number one. You've got uh, A&M sitting at three and two unranked. So um, do you have any in the A&M-Bama game or the Texas OU game? based off of uh, where these programs are sitting this season. And I put a, and I'll give you a, an out here if you want, because I put a, a Twitter poll out and I gave, you could rank it from excited to mildly excited to not excited to I'm not watching, something like that. So yeah. you can scale it um, if you want a little bit, but man, if I would have told you, if I would have given you, here's four games, TCU Kansas is one, Utah UCLA is one, A&M Bama is one, and Texas OU one in the beginning of the season. Uh, I bet I could predict the two that you'd want to watch. And, and I guess I'm <laughs> curious as to uh, are those uh, uh, games diminished because the, all four of those teams are down? Um, I don't think they're necessarily diminished because, you know, both teams still 
have 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 some to play with. I mean, neither team is 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 really eliminated. Neither Texas or OU is is really eliminated from you know the Big Twelve championship. And you know, Bama and Bama's obviously still undefeated. And A and M has not really lived up to the hype. But I don't think they're necessarily diminished. But but you said it. I mean, I think I think definitely that the Utah and UCLA and then the Kansas TCU game are definitely going to trump those those other two games uh it's funny saying that it, it really is um that 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 ut and, and oklahoma atmosphere is is pretty neat if you ever get a chance to go to that cotton bowl and go to the game it's a it's a fun atmosphere being right there at the cotton bowl in dallas and that rivalry i hope continues to to go on as you know both teams are going to move on to the sec that's a fun game to be a part of but I'll be honest with you. Neither te- neither of those football teams are are that good. I really don't think. I don't think Texas is that good. I don't think Oklahoma is that good. I think both teams are going to continue to have some more losses throughout the season. And you know, I, maybe this game's early enough in the season to still draw in lots of viewers. That you know, neither team's really eliminated yet, but but they're still kind um, kind of relevant at the moment. So I'm, I'll tell you what, I'll tune into it. I'm going to watch it. I mean, I mean, it's going to be fun. you still got some star power in both games. I mean, Bijan Robinson's extremely exciting to watch. I think that Texas receiving core is is really good. Uh, Xavier Worthy, I think, is fun to watch. And, you know, we'll see if Dylan Gabriel plays or not. I think he's going to – Quinn Ewers may be back. There, Yeah, there's a good chance he's, he's going to be back. I think if I, if I saw right, I think Sarkeesian maybe said he's day-to-day. I'm not 100% sure. If that's if you saw that or not, but I don't know um, that you know I'll I'll say this about the A and M and A and M and Bama game. And I'll, I'll definitely be interested in it if Milroy is starting if he has to go the whole distance because I think that gives A and M a lot bigger chance to win uh, to upset Bama. I still think Bama is going to be a heavy favorite if if uh, Jalen Milroy is playing, but I think uh, I think if I think if he plays, then A and M's got a little bit of a shot to to hang in there. So last thing um, before we get into uh, some of your, your segments, which are always so much fun. So we know that uh, Texas and OU are going headed to the SEC and USC and UCLA are headed to the Big Ten. So since those announcements, obviously Texas and OU announced uh, sooner, um, but uh, the combined record, uh, I want to say for Texas um, and OU, uh, it's 11 and 11, sitting at 500 since their announcement they're going to the SEC. Whereas USC and UCLA have a combined 10 and 0 record. They just announced the beginning, you know, in the summer, and they're both sitting at 5 and 0. So, man, if 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 I'm uh, from the SEC or from the Big Ten, one of those conferences uh, feels really good about what they're bringing in right now, and the other is probably thinking, man, if, if they're struggling that much in in the Big 12. Uh, they may not uh, bring that much, have that much to offer initially as far as on-field product. Now, look, you're bringing in the the brand. You're bringing in University of Texas. You're bringing in Oklahoma. So uh, there's not a question that they don't want them. But uh, certainly, you know, it was such big news when they announced they were coming, and and we thought, man, they're going to be huge rivalries. And right now, man, they're they're struggling to to survive in the Big 12. So they – they have a rude awakening when you get to the SEC, and on the other side, UCLA and USC, at least at least right now, early, look like, okay, maybe they're the real deal, and maybe they can go in there and, 
and rattle some cages and, and uh, make a name for themselves. But I just thought that was an interesting stat about those four teams. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and, I, and I was just bragging on the Big 12. You know, if you're a Big 12 guy, you root for the conference. But I think that that just shows the testament to to the University of Texas and the University of Oklahoma. I mean, look, I've got I've got friends that have have, have gone to school to both of those that are they're close friends and I, I don't and, and gosh I, I've even known athletes that have played at both. Um, um, I've played golf with a lot of them and I, this shows the testament to the University of Texas and University of Oklahoma and I don't say this to be a jerk or anything but it, their arrogance. I mean, the two of them just just are just head over heels. I mean, more arrogant than the rest of them. And it's it's kind of funny, you know, them being being very average, very very five hundred. You know, Texas has been trying to get it figured out ever since Colt McCoy left, and um, you know, Oklahoma has every right to be be arrogant. I mean, they they've they've been very solid. They've been the college football playoff many times, but I just find I just find that that just amusing that. They're they're very average. They're very they're right, sitting there right at five hundred with with how much they like to boast boast and beat their chest and how their brand you know look at us look at us look at who we are and then there you go you're going to a conference where you're going to get beat down probably even more. All right, so let's um, as we start to wrap this up a little bit, uh, let's jump into um, a couple of your segments, which I think have brought a lot to to this podcast and a lot of fun. So you've got either heroes or zeros or overreaction Sunday on a Tuesday. What, what do you want to start with, Coach Tripp? I do want to I do want to do one thing. I wanted to, I wanted to see what through. So we're now going into week six. It's week six, I believe, right? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Because um, so we're heading into week six, and before we jump into those two segments, I wanted to get your team, and we've done this a few times throughout the season. Your team that's sitting on the outside right now that you're most confident can jump into that top four spot. And then I'll give you mine right there. Okay. Um, <clears throat> you know, I would initially, you know, I've been pretty lukewarm on Clemson, and they would be the easy pick. But man, I'm not, I'm not going with that. I'm not going with that easy pick. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, and, I, and and as a Notre Dame fan, I, I hate to bring this up, I hate to say this, but I'm going to go with USC. I think Lincoln Riley and and uh, Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison. I mean, they're rolling. And uh, I think they uh, uh, are going to be a little bit overlooked because everyone's thinking about Clemson. But I think that, uh, also favorable schedule. They've got a shot to to go undefeated uh, and put themselves um, in that conversation. And, and, you know, if Clemson wins out, Clemson's in uh, over USC, in my opinion. But uh, it's not a, a – I think Clemson has a much more difficult route to, be, to go undefeated. And so I think a one-loss Clemson uh, would not – leapfrog over a an undefeated usc so my um my team that could could ju jump into the top four into the college playoff uh, as an outsider uh, would be usc and look i thought that they would be good but i thought it would be down the road i thought it would be two to three years before lincoln riley got you know his culture and his system and everything established i thought they'd be better this year but i didn't predict um that they'd be five and oh and we'd be talking about them as a potential playoff team no, that's uh, you know I, I've kind of narrowed it down to two teams. Um, you know I, I really like that USC pick, and I'm gonna have to roll with them too. Um, but the two teams that were you were kind of in my mind right here, 
I'm, I, you know, and I, I've been big on them all year. I'm big on Oklahoma State. I, I think Mike Gundy and Spencer Sanders are. I, I think they've got it really rolling up there, there in Stillwater. And I mean, I watched a lot of this game this past weekend as they went into Waco and beat a pretty good Baylor team, and really, really were in in complete control of the game the whole time on the road. Um, at, a, at like I said, at a good Baylor team. So I, I think I think Oklahoma State's got a really really good chance if they win the Big Twelve. They're going to be hard to overlook. Um, but 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 my final answer, I got to roll with USC. You know, I've looked at, I, I've said this, brought this up a few times. USC doesn't have the most difficult to schedule, um, which which can help and hurt. Um, it'll it'll depend on how much the committee views it. You know, if the committee's like, well, you guys haven't played anybody, then we're going to leave you out. But at the same time. You know, if USC sitting undefeated at the end of the year, they're going to be like, well, maybe we need to let them in. They're undefeated. Um, so it, it's going to be a coin flip. Uh, you know, I think if Oklahoma State and USC both go undefeated, it's going to be hard to overlook. And, and gosh, I'm not even talking about your team. You're talking about Clemson. Clemson Clemson's the team right there that I think has got probably the most difficult schedule. You know, they, they're going to, you know, they're going to have to go in there with some of these ACC teams and, and beat some good teams and, and they've done it, you know. I know they, they they've beaten North Carolina State and they've beaten Wake Forest so far. So they've they've taken care of some good teams, but they're they're going to have a little bit of a schedule that that might run into them a little bit. I I love what you're talking about, Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison. I think they've got it really rolling out there there in Southern Cal. I think they've got a good good thing going for them. So um, hey hey, I I'd love as much as I'd love to play devil's advocate with you. I, I love that USC pick too. I think they're the team that's sitting on that side. It's looking pretty good, but uh, you know I'm looking at SC schedules right now. They they still got to go up to Utah here in a couple weeks, eleven days on October 15th. They go to Utah. That's going to be a tough one. I think I think Utah came in rising. I think Utah is clicking on all cylinders after that first loss of the season. Then man, how fun! I'll tell you this, you you brought up Notre Dame. How fun would it be there at the end of the season? You know, big time rivalry right here. How fun would it be? USC, UCLA, the Rose Bowl, second to last game of the season. That'd be a fun one right there. If both teams are undefeated going into that game, that'd be. Oh, awesome. um, that's a that. There's a lot of scenarios we're playing out. There's still a lot of college football left, but man, some of these matchups late in the season are gonna be awfully fun if you get get some some playoff imp, imp, implications on the line. So, um, did a lot of talking right there. I'll shut up now, and, and we'll we'll jump over to we'll jump over to. The, our, our, our weekly segment where we go uh, heroes in zeros and then, of course, overreaction Sunday. Um, Coach Tripp, um, which one do you want to start with? Um, I'll start with zeros. Okay, we'll do heroes. And and I'll All give right. you my three zeros, and then um, I guess you can give me yours, and then we'll go back to heroes. Okay. All right, so um, my first um, zero is uh, Oklahoma. Losing 55 to 24 to TCU. Um, you know, I thought OU needed to bounce back in a big way and make a statement uh, against TCU, and uh, it really was not a competitive game. They they looked uh, very below average, and as as much hype as they had, you know, after the first three games of the season, they've looked equally bad the last two. And so, to me, they they are a zero right now, and you know, they, they've got a chance this week against another team that's really struggling in Texas. So one of them is going to come out looking good. Um, my first zero is OU. My second um, uh, zero is Texas A&M, losing 24 to 42 to unranked Mississippi State. 
Um, you know, uh, I, we talked earlier on this uh, podcast about people starting to question Jimbo Fisher's coaching a little bit. Well, if you heard anything that Mike Leach had to say afterwards, he said, well, they are always in a three down, you know, we've just kind of always had their number. You know, he kind of implied that they're easy to prepare for. They don't, they don't mix it up. They, they don't uh, do a lot of things. So um, that, that, that adds a little uh, fuel to that argument that, that, you know, maybe there's a, uh, a lot of blame to be laid on the coaching staff, and ultimately that stops with Jimbo Fisher. No, he's not the defensive coordinator, but if you know he he's the head guy, so uh, I'm gonna say um, that uh, Texas A&M is my uh, last zero or, or my next zero. My last one, and I mentioned this earlier, is Rutgers and Ohio State. Um, game is out of reach. Um, Jesse uh, Mirko, uh, Australian, takes it upon himself for the fake punt. So certainly that that probably um, could be addressed. And, and, and as you said, it might be just a not understanding thing. You know, Rutgers had lined up to try to block the punt. Um, so there's where I think Ohio State, you know, look, w- we've got to handle this better. But then the, the late hit out of bounds that, that could have really injured this kid. So I think both of those teams um, come out of here with a zero because what are we talking about now? We're talking about this one incident. We're not talking about the game. We're not talking about CJ Stroud's Heisman uh, chances and, and um, Ohio state being, you know, in the top four, we're talking about this ugly scene that had no bearing on the game other than it was an ugly incident. So to me, um, both those teams get a zero for that. I, I totally agree. I, I like those three right there. Uh, I'll give you mine. I'm going a little bit of a different route. You know, I I think you talk about Oklahoma to start off. I I think I would have given them a zero had had I thought maybe they were a a a really solid football team. I just, but I I don't I don't I don't think Oklahoma's that good. Um, And and so I don't even think they're (laughs) I don't even think they're worthy of a zero for me. So, so I'll go with my – I'll start at my, my number three on the list is Washington. Uh, really disappointed in the Huskies. Um, uh, you know, a bad loss for them. I thought, you know, Phoenix had been uh, – Michael Phoenix Jr. had been playing really well and then um, just really kind of, a, kind of a bad loss for them in my opinion. Um, you know, I thought, I thought Washington uh, was a better team than UCLA and, and UCLA just kind of really put the beat down on them. Um, national television game, you know, I believe that was a Thursday night. Yeah, it was Thursday night, so there wasn't much else going on, and you got to see it on on there. And Washington has really kind of been a, a disappointment ever since they made the college football playoff there. So however many years ago, I believe with Drew Locke as their quarterback. And uh, Washington's, Washington's done this in the past. They've teased this a little bit. They're like, eh, is Washington a good football team? Are they not? And I really thought they were a better football team, and they, they – uh, they they were really kind of a team that that that, that I really thought was was better than 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 a UCLA team and gosh maybe you maybe I need to be giving UCLA a little bit more credit so um, my next one is Pitt um, kind of disappointing Pitt I thought Pitt was uh, really good to start the year um, you know I thought that first game of the season against West Virginia was electric I thought that was a fun game I really thought the atmosphere had been been brought there. Uh, for the for for Pittsburgh, I thought coming off a great season last year that that Pitt was was going to be re- really kind of rolling a little bit, and they they've really kind of fallen. They're sitting there at the bottom of the ACC Coastal Division. You know they've already lost a conference game. 
uh, now that they that they've lost and and they've fallen to three and two on the year. And um, I just think losing to Georgia Tech is kind of unacceptable. Unaccept- I just Georgia Tech's not very good. They're coming off firing their coach, and uh, you lose that game at home. Uh, that that stings more than anything. So um, they're they're my second zero, and then then at the top is a team that kind of had flown under the radar a little bit this year. They were undefeated going into this game. Was uh, the Tanner Morgan and PJ Fleck led Minnesota Golden Gophers? They were four and zero, and man, um, ranked twenty first in the nation. Uh, I thought you know Tanner Morgan had played really well to start the year. Throws three picks against at home against Purdue. Uh, you know Purdue. Not very good Big Ten team, and uh, Tanner Morgan, who, who's played really well this year for for the Golden Gophers, just no offense in this game. Uh, three interceptions, and and just really let me down this week. So I thought I thought the Golden Gophers were a lot better football team than Purdue, and uh, I, guess, I guess not. I guess not. All right, so I'll jump over to my heroes. I got um, my first one. It stings, but um, Ole Miss. Winning at home over Kentucky, um, you know Kentucky uh, was ranked seventh going into this, um, and you know Lane Kiffin uh, certainly had a had a game plan and and uh, ended up holding on at the end with that fumble and there was that that gruesome shot of um, Will uh, Levis's finger when it was located. But man, give credit to Ole Miss. That was a big time win, um, and you know they're they're right where they want to be. They've got a tougher road than Kentucky does, but. Uh, you know, they have that victory in their back pocket. So I think that's huge. My next hero is Wake Forest um, bouncing back. Um, you know, they had that, that heartbreaking loss to, to Clemson, um, double overtime, I believe. And they come and they go on the road and beat Florida State, who was, who was playing pretty good ball at the time. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a big win. They win by 10. So it was, um, you know, a pretty solid win. And then my last one is the 14-11, Kansas over Iowa State. Uh, Kansas <laughs> their unbeaten streak alive. They earn uh, college game day in Lawrence this coming weekend, uh, sitting uh, sitting atop the Big 12 um, and making believers out of uh, everybody. And, and, and as you said, you know, they're not, they're not just a basketball school anymore. So those are my three heroes of uh, week five. I love it. I love it right there. I'll – I'll give you mine, and then we'll we'll jump over to overreaction Sunday on a Tuesday. But uh, my three heroes, um, I'm pretty similar to you. I've got a uh, I've got Kansas as my number one. You know, rock chalk baby. I think uh, Jalen Daniels, and, and they've got everybody fired up there in Kansas. I think it's going to be a great atmosphere this week in Lawrence. I know it wasn't necessarily the prettiest of game. They're knocking off Iowa State, but hey, a win is a win. They're sitting at five and zero, top of the conference right now, and. Gosh, I mean, let's see how much momentum they can ride. You know, I don't think you necessarily need to win all these games pretty if you're if you're Jalen Daniels. If you're just winning in general, who cares how they look? Um, you know, there's you know we say this in golf a lot. You know, you don't there's no picture, no pictures on the scorecard. You're not drawing pictures if you're. You can say the same thing for college football. You know, if you're winning ball games, who cares how ugly or how pretty it looks? So, I think that's pretty cool. You know, the first time since uh, 2009 that Kansas is. Uh, it's five and zero, and you know, and during that era, you know, two thousand eight, you know, they were able to win the Orange Bowl with, with our uh, our our Lake Travis guy here in the local area, Todd Reesing. So, first time in quite a while that, that Kansas football has been able to be fired up about anything. My next one, 
team I've kind of fallen in love with a little bit, Oklahoma State, uh, Spencer Sanders and company. Man, they are good. They 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 are they've got a good defense. Um, they, you know, Spencer Sanders. I've said this all year. Heisman candidate, I think. I think he's going to be there in New York at the end of the year. They're just a good football team. Is is all all it can be said. They go into Waco and really dominate um, a good Baylor football team, and uh, there's nothing left to be said. They're, they're I think they're the best team in the conference. Um, you know, and we'll see. We'll see. Maybe we'll get a Kansas and Oklahoma State match up here in the Big 12 championship game. That'd be fun. And then my last one right here, got to give my my uh, uh, got to tip my hat to TCU, like like we were talking about earlier. I think. Um, you know, Sonny Dykes has got some good stuff going in Fort Worth right now. Just like with uh, with with Kansas, I think if you can ride the hot hand, who cares how pretty uh, the games might look? You know, if you're winning ball games, who cares how they look? You know, uh, I think TCU's got got some good wins already. You know, they beat Colorado. Um, you know, they beat heck. They're coming off that game. Uh, you know, they're against Oklahoma, so TCU's playing some really good ball right now and. Um, they get my they get my third hero of the week right there. So um, two Big Twelve teams there in my heroes. All right, Coach Tripp, we'll 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 swing it over to to overreaction Sunday. I know we're we're doing this on a Tuesday. We'll keep it on the Big Twelve route right here. Um, okay. If you're new to the segment right here, of course, I give a, a bold statement, and we both say whether or not we think it's an overreaction or not. So Coach Tripp, keeping it on the Big Twelve. Overreaction or not, we should be taking Kansas serious, which I think, uh, I think, I think the college football world is is taking them a little bit serious. But Coach Tripp, should we take Kansas serious? Uh, I say that is not an overreaction. Um, I think we definitely should be taking Kansas seriously. Um, you know, some of the what we would think of as perennial powerhouses in the Big Twelve are are not what they used to be. The uh, Big 12 is anybody's um, division to or conference to grab right now, and they're making a case that that it's gonna that it could be them. Why not them? So until somebody proves me wrong, I'm gonna take them very seriously because they've won five games in a row, and um, you know we'll know more about them uh, next week after uh, after their game uh, at home against TCU. But right now, it is not an overreaction to take them seriously. I agree 100. percent I don't. I do not think it's an overreaction. You look at some of these games, and I, and I was just knocking the offense a little bit. Um, you know, Jalen Daniels and company—they can put up some points. Um, I know this last week was a low-scoring game, and that wasn't necessarily the prettiest of games. But this this Kansas team can really score some points. This offense is really good. I mean, if you look at their the points they put up this season, I mean, look at that first game. Maybe maybe a little bit of an outlier. They they score 56 on a on a Tennessee. Uh, tech team, but then then they drop fifty five on West Virginia on the road. They go to Houston, drop forty eight. You play a Duke team who is fairly is not a, not a terrible team. They drop thirty five on Duke, and then they're able able to to beat Iowa State to go to two zero in the conference. Um, I don't think this is a team to take lightly. I think this is a team. You know, if my life depended on it, if if I if I had to make a bet on it, no, I don't think Kansas is probably going to win the Big Twelve or or be in the top four college football rankings, but I think they are definitely a team to take serious. Can they win the big 12? Absolutely. Um, but, you know, if I had to bet money on it, I'd say no, but, but, but Kansas is definitely a team. We, we, we should be taking serious, not an overreaction at all. Coach trip. Second topic right here. Georgia isn't repeating. 
Um, and I put in parentheses on here. One game is an aberration. Two is a trend right here. So Georgia isn't repeating. Ooh, all right, man. That's a that's a really that's a really good one because you could make the argument either way that it is an overreaction or it's not an overreaction. I'm going to say right now that it is an overreaction, but just barely. I'm still going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they can right the ship um, and and get it done. But I would not be surprised. Uh, you know, I could be. I could certainly make the argument the other way that no. You know, based on what we've seen in these two games, as to your point, it's not an aberration. You know, it's 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 a trend. But right now, until somebody knocks them off, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say it is a slight overreaction because I think they do have the talent. They do have the the the, the coaches, the schemes that they can do it. Uh, so I would say it's a slight overreaction. Okay. Um... See, and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna play a little devil's advocate with you there. I think it's uh, it's not any overreaction, but I think it's slightly like it could go either way. You know, we could be totally wrong about Georgia. I mean, I mean, for crying out loud, they've got their their quarterback from last year, same same coach, same quarterback from the national championship team last year. They could very well write the ship, but you know, two two weeks in a row. I mean, I mean, they've been they've been a little sketchy. I mean. I mean, they weren't able to take care of a Kent State team that they should have taken care of pretty easily, and I mean, should have should have dominated this game against Missouri and, and only able to win it by four. So, um, I I don't think it's an overreaction. Um, I, I think I think maybe Georgia is a team we should be a little bit uh, a, a worried about right here, and we'll we'll see how it goes. I could be wrong. Um, Georgia could very easily get it figured out, and and. Um, I don't know, but you know, Georgia, Georgia's got to play in the SEC every week. So if they're gonna, if this trend is gonna keep happening, Georgia's gonna lose a game if they're not careful. I would agree with that. All right, number three right here on the list of overreaction Sunday on a Tuesday, Coach Trip. The top four right now will not be the final four in the college football playoff. Okay, I'm gonna say that's an overreaction. You know, we we talked earlier. Uh, hear about who our outside team going in could be and i mean we both agreed usc could do it you made the case for oklahoma state obviously clemson sitting right there um but right now i, I think these four teams are, are the best four in the country and i think by a pretty wide margin now obviously you know ohio state and michigan are going to um play um so and then you have georgia and continue on the trajectory they're on um i could certainly see two one loss teams being in the top four probably at three and four over um potentially over an undefeated clemson or an undefeated um usc for example depending on how those losses go if it's a really competitive game kind of comes down to the end um or you know um then i could see um those four still being in it so uh, it's a little bit of a stretch only because those those you know teams are going to play each other um, but i still think they're the four best teams by far and so i think that uh one the one each two of those teams having one loss will not knock them out of that top four at the end of the season it may temporarily but then when conference championships happen that kind of thing i think they'll be back in it no no i get what you're saying you, you think the two the four best the four teams that are in the top four right now are the four best teams absolutely um, see, I, I'm going to once again disagree right there. I, 
I, I, I'm not sold on Michigan. I, I just don't know if that offense is, is good enough. Um, you know, Ohio State, you know, like you made a great point. The two of them are going to have to eventually play each other. And and we'll see how the how the chips fall. You know, the the thing you know, you've made a great, great point about this throughout the year. Uh, the college football committee loves an early loss rather than a late loss. And, you know, those two teams play late in the season. Big, it's it's during rivalry week. You know, Ohio State, and Michigan are going to play each other. Or Michigan, yeah, I don't know why Michigan State came to mind. Ohio State and Michigan, obviously, big rivals are going to play each other late in the season. And I think Ohio State is head over heels the better team. Um, and I'll tell you what, Coach Tripp. You know, I've said this about Georgia. You know, I I, it, it, I just don't know enough about Georgia right now. I know I know they're still undefeated. They're still the reigning national champions. I'm just, you know, I'm looking at their schedule, and you know, here in a few weeks they go through a tough stretch. They got to play Florida, and then they go three straight weeks of playing ranked teams at the moment. So they they host Tennessee, they go to Mississippi State, who's ranked at the moment, then they go to your Kentucky Wildcats. So I, I'm just not so I'm not sure that when it comes to when the college football committee starts ranking these teams here at the beginning of November that Michigan and Georgia are going to be in that top four. So it, maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe I'm not, but at the moment, I don't think it's an overreaction. Um, going to number four right here, Coach Tripp. Bryce Young proved on Saturday, and I put this in parentheses, without playing, close parentheses, that he's the best player in college football right now. Man. Um <clears throat> Because I don't know how much of that Arkansas and Alabama game you got to play, saw, got to watch, but I, I really think Bama missed Bryce Young. Yeah, er, yeah, I watched early on, and and he's throwing that slant, and and he's doing those things. Um, I, I'm not; it's not an overreaction. Um, you know, I I, I still uh, I could make uh, you know C.J. Stroud is is a phenomenal talent, um, and I think they would. Um, so, you know, they would struggle, uh, Ohio State, if they didn't have C.J. Stroud. But I would say that's not an overreaction. I mean, he's a he's the reigning Heisman um, Trophy winner, and uh, their, their team is sitting at number one in the country in Alabama. So it's not an overreaction. The fact that they were still able to beat a, a very good team uh, shows the depth they have on both sides of the ball. Uh, but it's, that does not diminish the, the talents and abilities that Bryce Young has. So I would say that's not an overreaction. I agree there, Coach Tripp. Um, I don't think it's an overreaction. And I I mean, but if you and, – and I'll go into depth a little bit on it. If you watch the Alabama game, and I know I, I, I said it momentarily to you right there, Alabama – Bryce Young is that important to that team. Um, I think C.J. Stroud is that important to Ohio State as well. But Bryce Young – I think Alabama really struggled in the passing game uh, w- without Bryce Young. You and Jalen Milroy, uh, Milroy, you know, he's a, he's a he's a fantastic runner, he's a dual threat quarterback. You know, I think he can, I think Nick Saban will let him throw it a little bit. He's definitely be- better with his feet, but Bama, you know, was up 28 to nothing at one point in that game, and and the score got cut to 28 to three, due in part that 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 Milroy, Milroy couldn't was was struggling to throw the ball a little bit. Uh, you know, Bama was was kind of stuck to being one dimensional right there, having to run it. And 
I think Bryce Young, by not playing, proved that he's the best player in the country. So I don't think it's an overreaction. Uh, last one right here, and we'll uh, we'll close that up for the night. Not sure how much uh, standing watching you've been looking at, but Coach Tripp, the ACC Coastal Division might be the wildest division in football. <laughs> I'm not sure how much of it you've gotten to look at, but it's, uh, it's, um, it's a crazy little conference they got going over there. I would say, uh, and again, uh, it's probably not a fair statement because I, I really haven't watched a whole lot, but I would say it's probably not an overreaction. I mean, uh, just everything in the ACC that's gone on this year with those wild finishes and uh, overtimes, double overtimes and, and um, last second um, uh, game winners, I would say that's probably not an overreaction. But uh, if I had to defend that answer other than just generalities, I could not do that. Yeah, I agree with you too there. I think the two teams that we thought were going to be at the top of the conference are sitting there kind of at the bottom part of the coastal uh, division. You've got Pitt and you've got, a, um, and you've got Miami sitting down there with, with losing records in the conference. And I think both of them are it's – a, it's, a it's a weird situation we got going in the ACC. And before we close for the night, I, I, I do want to say I think I'm really liking these last few weeks what I've seen from Clemson. Um, you know, I know, I know you, we talked about it earlier, you know, sitting at number five. I really thought Clemson was going to be the team that was right there at that, that, that five, six range that was going to eventually fall. But uh, DJ, uh, you know, Ugalele has, has really stepped his game up. He's, he's gosh, if he's, if, if we're not careful, we might see him, if he continues to play the way he's been playing, he might have something to say. He might say, I might, might want to make my way to New York later in the season. And, and and to that point, that's that's an excellent point. I, I really uh, want to give some credit to Dabo because yeah. you know, early on um, there was calls for you know for a change at quarterback, and and he believed in DJ and 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 publicly stood up and said he's our guy and, and gave him some time, and and he's really developed into a a really good quarterback. And so um, I think um, obviously props to DJ for continuing to develop, learn, but also for his head coach for not panicking, for not bending to some public pressure, knowing what he had and and uh, sticking with it. And it's paying dividends um, right now. Absolutely, Coach Tripp. And, you know, we're getting to that that middle of the season right now. It's it's hard to believe we've already – gosh, we're already in week six of college football, and it still, it still feels like we just started. But uh, things are starting to heat up a little bit. We're getting into conference play, and – it's uh, it's it's going to be fun for sure the rest of the way out. Absolutely, uh, I'm going to be uh, this Saturday at uh, UTSA versus Western Kentucky game. So I'll, hopefully, I'll get some pictures and, and things like that. Um, you know, uh, Fr Frank Harris is a three-time Conference USA Player of the Week already in this short season. He's set the school record for uh, passing yards as well as passing touchdowns, I believe. Um, to Corey and Clark, I think set the record for most yards in a game. And then I think maybe broke it the next week. So this is a, a team um, that, that you and I've talked about all season. They're a really fun team to watch. So if, if you don't know anything about them and you get a chance to, to check them out, do that. They're exciting. They're, they're dynamic. They're fun. Um, so I'll be at that game and then uh, I will talk all about it next week. Um, and then until then, thanks for listening. Check us out on all our socials, interact with us, and we will talk to you uh, next Sunday, not next Tuesday. And until then, have a good week.